0: As old man Zangis used to say, (laughs) don't lift weights like old people, fuck. Slow and careful. Be violent. He told me, he did. He told me, he's like, I want you to be violent with the weights. Hey, Power Athletes. We got an incredible podcast in store for you today where we're going over all things Hammer, the holistic athlete movement readiness program that is written and provided daily for door kickers, war fighters, and anybody that goes in harm's way. So, we have this bitching program that we've been putting out, it's been tried and tested with our experiences working with Naval Special Warfare and also working with the US military, and if you're looking to be strong, fast, big capacity, being able to run long distances, being able to crush it once you get to the fight, which is always the biggest thing, can you run far, but can you show up on the other side and be willing to, you know, do what needs to be done,
1: Hammer's the program. Also, if you're not following Hammer, there's still an opportunity to learn how to train smart. Because if there's one thing that all military branches have in common, it's secret squirreling, piecing together their own training programs, and the aim of Hammer is to solve that issue. So plenty of tips for training smart, increasing your lethality. Mm. And resilience. And resilience. And getting the most of training smart, not stupid.
0: So we're going to go through and give you some tips and tricks, and more importantly, give you the foundational knowledge you need to, to be successful in So I want you to buckle up. It's not all extremely long. If you're a fan of Power Athlete Radio, sometimes we go deep. This one's just kind of a quick hit them and quit them and uh, give you what you need to know to be successful. So buckle up. Hey, Power Athlete Nation. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Power Athlete Radio where we talk about all things Power Athlete, including some training programs. Today's episode is going to be based around Hammer, the Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness Program, Written by myself and the crew for here at Power Athlete for today's warfighters, door kickers, and any motherfucker looking to be a badass dude and burn it the fuck to the
1: ground. What an introduction! The only thing you miss, John, what Hammer does is increase your resilience and lethality. Uh, Two key words that the military loves. Oh, uh, I know when we were <laughs> when we were writing programming for the 18th Airborne Corps and going that route of
0: uh, working with the big army, uh, we had to incorporate the word resiliency and lethality. In every six sentences. So, as we were putting in there our submission for uh, um, the, uh, you know, they put out these uh, performance work statements, then we have to do a submission uh, for the contracting piece as you're going through and writing this packet. Increasing resiliency and increasing lethality were our two main points that had to get added ad nauseum.
1: Yes. And the other, what uh, the result of the program is we increase these things and people have been loving hammer. So, it's one of yeah. our fastest growing programs yep. uh, on the rise where we got, yes, the door kickers, the war fighters, as you mentioned, many LEO, fire, and then surprisingly, just some IT dudes. Yeah. I found on the feeds, I was asking for pictures for an upcoming NSA tactical presentation that I got. And there was like, yeah, I kicked the door down to my, my desk at the office. <laughs>
0: well, it, uh, Hammer was a long time coming. So uh, we never really put out a specific program for, you know, warfighters, door kickers, people that go in harm's way. And I always hated the term tactical. I hated the term tactical athlete because it just imagined like a dude running around with like molly patches and like, I don't know, fucking weird. I don't know. Digi camp. Um, so we ended up having um, the gal from the Warfighters uh, Foundation. No, uh, it was the, the Warfighters Center. Uh, Doctor. McCauley? No, it was um, uh, Doug Parsley's friend. She introduced us, the blonde gal. Oh, Kelly. Yeah, Dr. Kelly. Oh, her name is Dr. Kelly, Karen Kelly. Karen Kelly. Yeah, Dr. Karen Kelly from the warfighter research. And I just like the term warfighter much better uh, because, you know, I mean, war can be, obviously, we think in conventional. But I think about, like, smoke jumpers and firefighters, you know, going into harm's way and trying to kick doors off of hinges. So for a lot of years, people were always trying to secret squirrel programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, I'm using Field Strong. I'm using uh, Johnny Watt. I'm using CrossFit Football. How do I incorporate more running into this? And there was all these bastardized versions of various templates that we'd written, trying to marry the two, to try to give somebody enough capacity to allow them to go you know, long distance and move heavy loads, enough strength to be really uh, proficient in that a-lactic energy system. And then enough capacity to be able or just running uh, ability to run to not only be able to do their job but make it through selection and, you know, just be able to survive. Because for a ton of the guys, I mean, they have to run for their job. Like there's Mm no, you know, I mean, it just is required of them. So being able to kind of blend the three where we're doing enough strength work to keep them strong, enough capacity to work to make sure that you have the, you know, the ability to go long and then the ability to run and being able to kind of marry those in a template that you can get done and not get kicked in the dick every day and feel like, you know, you're basically your life's coming to end because you're smoked and there's gotta be a really interesting balance of volume, volume and intensity. And then the other thing that a lot of programs didn't really put at the forefront sprinting. Uh So something that hammer does a little bit different is we're kind of marrying through kind of this interesting piece of like, some really high intensity sprint stuff early in the week when you're most neurologically ready for this. And then being able to get into some easy effort runs. And I know people have like lost their minds on it. But if you go back and you look at that zone two, the easy effort uh, easy effort runs are about building aerobic base, helping people create capacity and more importantly, being able to work at those lower levels, being a bunch of trunk work, a bunch of tempo stuff so that we're actually working on our technique in the sprint at a lower heart rate, sub 75 if right. you follow Charlie Francis and then moving on to friday where now we're going to have our longer you know high intensity burn it to the ground either sprint uh where we're going to do sprint repeats which could be anywhere from you know 800 meters out to uh, you know a few miles might be some hill sprints it might be some rucking i mean it's going to change based upon the different training template that's that's um you know being loaded but we're really looking on building that big capacity and um yeah i mean you can go run five days a week the problem is you know, how are you necessarily getting stronger? Uh, what is it looking like on that? So we're trying to really balance it across all these different energy systems.
1: Yeah. And then purpose of our conversation here is to put all of our athletes on the hammer program in the best position to get them all those on
0: hammer in the best position.
1: Yeah, exactly. Okay. To get the, uh, the most out of it. And a lot of the pushback, and this is why you're talking about number one, a lot of the pushback is on how the runs are programmed. Yep. So let's spend a moment there. I mean the number 1 our aim increase a base level of conditioning or establish a base level of conditioning and increase aerobic capacity yeah. for all you got to do.
0: Yeah, I mean that that happens with um you know obviously the sprint stuff is really like lactic shorter distance anywhere from you know 40 out to 60 80 100 100 yards and we're going to do anywhere from 4 to 7 reps uh on that day really for our first Monday. I like to sprint first in the week and then we're going to come in and start hitting our strength work, but there's always going to be some form of body weight capacity. Um, you know, where we're asking you to hit a you know, certain amount of pushups within a certain amount of time. Um, so it's going to be intelligent and in that we're going to ask you to sprint. We're going to do some form of primal movement, usually an X axis or some of the various X, Y, and Z's, and then move to some form of body weight capacity Tuesday. Uh, you know, and it's funny cause people bitch about the fact that we pull the day after we run and squat, but unfortunately it's the only day that fits within what legs two days in a row. John, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. It's almost like running where you use your legs two days in a row or in football where I had to use my legs two days in a row, three days a row, you know, 70 days in a row. So, uh, the big pull day and the reason being is I'm trying to get in terms of like a big part of programming is programming economy, figuring out how to arrange things in such a way that you're able to get people to give their max effort for what's important. Um, So we're going to do some form of dynamic pulling plyometrics, some jumping, a lot of upper body pulling on that Tuesday. Wednesday is going to be our active recovery day with our EE runs. And, uh, you know, I'll usually throw in a 20 minute trunk circuit because that's important. Really low intensity in that there's not a ton of shock load and a lot of dynamic in that, even though we'll use some med ball stuff, but that shouldn't be super heavy. And then there's going to be some form of tempo runs at the backside of that which are usually, you know, shorter in nature, you know, somewhere between 100 150 yards could even be 60 70 yards depending on how we progress it. And then there's going to be anywhere from 4 to 7, maybe 8 out as many as 10 reps, you know, short recovery times anywhere from 70, you know, 60 to, you know, 75 seconds or asking people to run at lower intensities. You know, that's at Charlie Francis, mm-hmm. building aerobic capacity 75 sub 75% technique runs where now we're really focusing on how we're moving from point A to point B instead of just trying to get there with our hair on fire. And then Thursday, we're going to have really a full body primal day where now we're working on, you know, some step squat lunge. We're going to, you know, work on a lot of rotation. Um, it's also going to be our bigger, um, upper body day where we're going to hit some floor press. We're going to hit some bench. We're going to hit some overhead pressing. We're going to hit a ton of accessory on the shoulders. We're going to really focus on the traps and the lats. And then we're coming in Friday. I'm going to give you a short warm up little dynamic movement prep. And then I'm going to set you out to go burn it to the ground with a, a longer run or ruck or something like hill sprints, which would be more intense. And then Saturday's going to be kind of come in and it's going to be kind of a, a mix of everything that I didn't get a chance to program during the week. I'm going to kind of push into a Saturday. It's usually going to be some accessory for the shoulders, a little bit of bodybuilding, help you get a little pump in the arms and the triceps, maybe a little bit of chest, uh, maybe also hit a little bit of, uh, you know, the lower body stuff It could be some calf. It could be some interior tibialis, just some other things, you know, we do a ton of adductor work. So when I look at the entire week and I see what I want to do, I end up going back and kind of removing things and trying to figure out the time and the economy to make sure that we're maximizing those days on Monday. And really just that being able to uh, protect that day on Friday and then bringing in and doing something fun on a Saturday. And a lot of guys, um, don't even come train on Saturdays. So a lot of people will take Saturday off. Um, but I try to put it out there in such a way that if you're going to hit the gym, let's get a little bit of bodybuilding. Let's get a little pump and let's get it looking good and throw in some pushups, get a little pump in the old chest.
1: Yeah. And all that plays into your aerobic, your capacity. Yeah. We'll call it.
0: No, I mean, that's really the focus. I want to make you big, strong, a ton of capacity. I want you to be able to kick the door off the hinges and then be able to run back to wherever you got to get to and do it all over again.
1: Mm hmm. And the second key thing is you mentioned a lot of barbell actions in there. And one of our biggest execution tools to apply is compensatory acceleration. Yes. Uh,
0: This is universal in all power athlete programs. When compensatory acceleration, a.k.a. cat, is defined as as the ability or as mechanical advantage increases, so does speed. So I want you to think about, um, you know, if I was going to punch a dude, for example, right? Um, as I go here, I'm generating force and I'm not going to slow down upon contact. If anything, as mechanical advantage increases, so does speed. And I did it with a med ball. I did it with the bench press and it allowed me to punch and break a dude's chest in half when I punched him. And that was one of those things I learned early in my career. We did it with the squat. We did it with the deadlift. We did it with everything. The idea is that it's mechanical advantage increases. So does speed. And it really helped me in terms of athletic development and really just how to fucking destroy people, whether it be with your hands or your head or whatever I'm going to do on the football field.
1: Yeah, and a big part of that idea of compensatory acceleration and the execution, we're going to move the bar like it's 500 pounds yep. and 500 pounds like it's the bar. Yep. So weight dictates speed, but you in your effort are moving as fast as you can. Yeah, with maximal intent. Yeah. There's some
0: really interesting research. Um, we've had uh, people on the podcast. I'm sure Tex could throw it out there. I can't remember their names off the top of my head. But really talking about intent, that the intent to move the bar, the intent to be strong, you know, the intent to be, you know, violent with the weights is a huge determining factor for athletic performance and success.
1: Yeah. And we don't want to lift weights like old people have
0: some sex. Yeah. As old man Zangis used to say, (laughs) don't lift weights like old people. Fuck. Slow and careful. Be violent. He told me. He did. He told me he's like, I want you to be violent with the weights. I want to, I want the weights to remember you. And more importantly, when you're training around people that don't know you and want them to come over and tell you, Hey, you better watch out. You're going to hurt yourself. Dude. And then you look at him and you go, no, no, I'm trying to hurt these fucking weights. And like, that was uh, man. I had so much I'm, I'm so sort of sad that George never got on the podcast. And, um, you know, I have to sit here and like paraphrase from him, but, uh, there were a ton of little off the cuff comments he made over the years like that, that have really uh, become the cornerstone
1: of a lot of the stuff we talk about. Yeah. Next in line is trunk mm-hmm. and the importance. We saw so many injuries when yeah. we're working with 18th Airborne I, and then the special forces dudes. I
0: think what's different than anybody else writing training program for this, this community, a lot of guys are like, well, you know, I, I was a former operator. I did this. And uh, not to say that their stuff doesn't have value because they've seen it from the inside. We had it completely different. Um, you know, obviously I come from a football background. We had the opportunity to travel the world and work with, you know, tens of thousands of athletes who cross a football, writing a free training program, allowing people to do that training program, and then traveling the world for a decade, teaching hundreds of seminars, meeting people that had done the program and meeting people that hadn't done the program Mm -hmm. and basically putting them through a performance weekend, uh, like a performance seminar and seeing their limitations and limiting factors. And I mean, after, you know, you don't have to see. But, you know, a dozen data points, we saw hundreds that solidified this program. And then what was interesting, you know, where we differed is we had the opportunity to go and work with the 18th Airborne Corps. I mean, obviously we'd work with uh, Naval Special Warfare for for a number of years and still do. So, but those guys are really tip of the spear. Mm -hmm. And when you start talking about like Naval West Special Warfare, you start talking about development group, those guys, I mean, they are tip of the tip of the spear. Um, Going and working with the U.S. Army, (laughs) where all of a sudden now we're working with the 18th Airborne Corps. Um, we taught a number of seminars over the years for those guys and being able to go in and see those limitations. Cause when I, when we went to go do it, the stipulation was that it had to be just random. I, I wanted every MOS, like every job description. Like, I just don't want one thing. I want everybody. I want a, uh, a secretary to a generator mechanic to a frontline soldier. This, I mean, we got everybody mm-hmm. and we got an opportunity to put them all through seminars, give them free programming, and then be able to work very closely with the surgeon's Corps to try to reduce injuries and increase lethality and resilience. Um, but got a chance to really see this from such a different perspective coming from my NFL background and the athletes that we'd worked with over the years. And then getting into that opportunity, we got a really chance to see not only what the injuries were, what the injury mechanisms were and where people were getting fucked up and why they were getting fucked up and then eventually develop programming that uh, like protected them from themselves. And I think the US Army knew there was a problem. I mean, that's why they changed the ACFT. I mean, the, you know, the run. How many times? (laughs) No. Well, the problem was they didn't bring us in as consultants directly. They brought us in later on. Um, You know, I've spoken on this to, you know, at the uh, NDU, the National War College, I've spoken at it, you know, with, you know, four-star generals, five-star generals. I mean, we've really pitched this and had this conversation numerous times. they were trying to solve a problem that they didn't necessarily want to solve. So the issue came down to, they knew that the sit-ups, push-ups and running wasn't increasing the general capacity and the strength and actually was making less proficient soldiers. Mm-hmm. They had way too many people that were on report or on a profile as they call it, um, where they were on injuries and they were non-deployable due to overuse injuries that looked like stress fractures and back injuries associated with extension inflection from doing a ton of fucking sit-ups. Uh, and then injuries associated with just really shitty running. So, um, you know, our deal was like, we're going to make a culture change. We're going to get these guys into the barbell. We're going to make them strong. We're going to make them fast. We're going to make them stable. And we're going to get rid of this extension inflection. And we're going to teach them how to stabilize their trunk and create that task specific tension so that they know how to stabilize. Mm-hmm. Now, when they get to a test now, all of a sudden you you know, if you got to do sit-ups, you got to do them. I'm not saying don't do the test but I believe that the damage was done training for the
1: test. Yeah. That's the comment that I have in an attempt to change the training. They changed the test. Yep. We were aiming to change the training Yeah. and crush whatever well, test. Well, they matter.
0: thought that they could, that the tail could wag the dog, that if they changed the test, it would force people to change the training. They didn't need to change the test. Yes. If they would have changed the training, the test would have still had meaning because they would have, and it wouldn't have added any of this complexity. Um, the bigger issue came down to, they were looking for an overly complicated solution to something that could have been very streamlined and very eloquent. All they would have had to do was remove the sit-ups and throw some pull-ups into it. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> uh, like, I'm, I'm just telling You're you. You're asking a lot, we've, John. We've worked, uh, like the one thing I love um, about the military is the different branches. Uh, the one part of the military that I hold dear that I absolutely just love are the Marines. Um, and the reason being is, one, they are so proud to be Marines. Like as we worked with all these different, you know, whether it be 18th or more, I mean, different people, um, there was always like, uh, but you meet a Marine, they're so excited to be Marines. Their haircuts. And even when you meet old Marines that have retired, you know, been retired for 50 years, they still identify as a Marine. They still have the haircut. And the one thing that's universally true about Marines, it's hard to do pull ups with a fat ass. And that's why it's tough when you see, like, you don't see fat Marines. And I think when we went to go work with the Army, we saw people that, like, weren't within the fitness standards and they were looking for a solution to try to fix this. And they put in trap bar deadlifts. They wanted all this. They wanted a tuck knee hang. And they would have just been a lot easier if they brought people in and been like, okay, like, what if we just ask them to do pull ups? One, just give me one. And, you know, put a training program together, be like in a year from now, you're gonna be required to do a pull-up. And this is where we start. We've taught thousands of people that couldn't do pull-ups how to do a Mm pull-up. And we know the progression, we know how to teach it, we know how to do it. And I think we would've solved a lot of problems. They wouldn't have had to spend, you know, $65 billion to buy trap bars from Sornex. Sorry, Bert and those guys. Um, But um, they created a lot of situations because they had to buy equipment. And then in typical army fashion, when you buy new equipment, You have to train the individuals and that's, you don't have to, well, well, you have to, (laughs) they have to be qualified to basically unload the lockers with the equipment. And we just got it. There was a ton of complexity, but, um, long story short, uh, the evolution that we saw within hammer now, even the hammer that you see today is scaled up compared to the program that we first implemented, which Mm -hmm. was like a hammer light, just trying to get people from pushups and sit-ups and a run into something. It was a you know, follow a little basic linear progression. Yeah. The the, the hammer that we're writing on train heroic is for a little more of an advanced athlete. It's uh even not to say a beginner couldn't do it, but we're expecting you to be able to do a little bit more than just lift a barbell five times and maybe go on a two mile run.
1: Yeah. And you mentioned a lot of key things here. Intent, trained athlete, which leads us to our next one, sprinting. yeah I want to make a point here. This is not running fast. Yep. This is sprinting yeah. as fast as you can. Well,
0: um, it's pretty interesting. Uh, you know, my daughter and my wife ride horses, and they have these different things like, you know, they, they canter, they lope, and there's all these different things. Yeah. And so you see the horse kind of moving, and you watch how they go over the steps. And, like, it's pretty f- interesting. As I was talking with my daughter, um, her biggest thing is she's like uh, a friend of hers that she rides with. The dad has a pretty big ranch down at Lolling. And uh, she got to go down there um, and go ride. Like he's got this bitch and ranch kind of a cowboy setup. up. So the girls got to go down and it was the first time that she'd effectively like in an open field, got on a horse gallop and rode and sprinted. And like literally watched the horse run as fast as it can, like an old Western movie. And she was like, dad, it was so much fun is the first time. And she'd been riding all these years because she rides in an arena and they run over jumps and you know, they kind of canter and gallop and this, but due to actually dead ass run, And so it's pretty interesting. Like when you go out and run and you're running at max intensity, you know, you can only hold that for a certain amount of time. Uh, you know, it's not as if, you know, unless you're Ethiopian, you know, and those guys are running the marathon at sub four minutes for 26 miles. I mean, those dudes are hauling ass. Like that's the type of hauling ass we need. But you know, I mean, things are flailing, you know, a hundred miles an hour running as fast as you can. That's what we're really looking for. So the gallop is the fastest. Yeah. Oh wait, is the gallop the fast? Yeah. I just thought they were running. I just thought the horses were sprinting and running as fast as they can. No. But uh no, that's good. Yeah, it's then... called the gallop. Uh-huh. Gallop. I'm, I'm gonna tell you that I'll be like, I need you to get on your horse and go gallop there, Tex. Well, I oh I've galloped. It's pretty it is pretty freeing. Well, it's pretty funny because when you run on a horse or when you're riding a horse, there's like a lot of up and down. When you gallop it's super smooth.
1: Yeah. So that i played polo cross, which is polo and lacrosse on horses. So the opportunity to gallop came through that. Mm. Uh, yeah. But moving on, uh, back to our point here. And we, we've touched on this a little bit, but we need to now highlight it in training smart. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, the big thing with the, the military crowd often is feeling crushed. So putting themselves into a deficit. So yeah. we're training smart, yeah. not necessarily feel hard, yeah, feel I mean, crushed. Uh, um.
0: Like, I think training smart is knowing limitations. And like, I, I don't like to be, have limitations placed on me. And I don't want to place limitations on people in the training. But like, you have to know, and I use the gambler reference, right? Like Kenny Rogers, you got to know when to hold them. you Got to know when to fold them. Got to know when to walk away. you Got to know when to run. You got to know like what the training looks like. And this happens to me every single day when I go on and I train and start warming up. And I know pretty easy. Like today I went in and, you know, I was going to squat. And, um, you know, ended up hitting a bunch of single leg work just because I was super sore on my hips from what I did this weekend. And normally like my hips don't get sore, but man, for some reason, I was really feeling it. So I did a little extra mobility, uh, changed up what my, my game plan and I feel a hundred percent better. I could very easily just go in there and do exactly what I was going to, which was going to be, uh, you know, I want to do some form of dynamic or sorry, heavy squat with some form of accommodating resistance I was going to use change. And, um, I don't know if that would have been the smartest move for me. So, but that's taken me, you know, 25, 30 years of training to know that, you know, it's consistency and the longer I can train, the better I'll do. Burning it down one day and then fucking yourself up and not being able to do it tomorrow isn't going to get us where we need to go. So I think I need you to be smart. I need you to listen to your body. I need you to take the active recovery days and, you know, the rest days when they come. And if you're feeling smashed, on a, uh, you know, on a Saturday, go in and just hit a little bit of bodybuilding, get a little bit of pump work, you know, like, you know, fill out your t-shirt. So I think you have to be smart and look at this in terms of like a really long timeline, like a continuum where all of a sudden I'm going to travel on this continuum for the longest period of time. The person that can train the longest with the greatest relative intensity is the person that meets their goal. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that can have one grade and we saw this all the time in the NFL you know, training camp was six weeks long. You have a guy come out, hair on fire, burn it down for one practice. But can you keep that level of intensity for days, for practices, for weeks and weeks and weeks? And there were very few people that were able to, that, to keep that relative intensity for that long period of time. Mm-hmm. And so what I want you to do is I want you to be smart. I want you to take time in the prep. I want you to really feel and like, you know, be intelligent with how you're executing things, really focusing on execution of movement and just becoming um, you know, just like, I mean, the only thing I could, I could really call it is just like a miser of movement, you know, where you're just trying to like, you know, like hoard excellent movement and like, you're trying to keep it to yourself and you're making sure that everything, like you're having economy of movement, um, and you're just being stingy with it and, uh, you know, not force or not allowing your body outside of what you're requiring it to do. So I want you to be smart, keep your head, you know, to quote Dave Brewer, you gotta have all your shit in one sock, uh, which i Still love that analogy, but like you got to have your head, you know, screwed on tight. You got to have all your nuts and bolts ready to go. But I want you to be smart and realize that training today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day is the mission and the goal, not just burning it down this moment. We got to think longer than just one day. You got to
1: think on a longer continuum. Yeah. And our final point, it's training and hitting your mission specific tasks. What you need to be the lethal badass Yeah,
0: um you know uh, uh training without testing is just you know just wasting time i guess i mean there's not nothing wrong with training. Call that exercise exercise but i really think for something like hammer uh we're putting together such an eloquent and elegant like just a really killer program and how it's written it's one of the ones i'm most proud of and how we've been able to create this like concert of movements and being able to really maximize people um i think being able to take the training. And I have a like in my head, I'm just playing the Rolodex of guys that I know that are falling hammer that I'll get reached out to that are actually using it in really cool and interesting ways. And it's always amazing where I get like this surprise like, dude, I killed this and they're almost a little surprised that it's working as well as it is. And I'm always like, dude, you're the one doing the hard work. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, the best plan unexecuted is terrible. Like the poorest plan executed well is better. So to have a really eloquent uh you know elegant you know intelligent written program like hammer and then having people apply it well and then use it in cool and interesting ways which allows to create the uh, you know like create integrity but like the efficacy of the program is really what i'm searching for and it's cool i love it i love getting tagged in this stuff i love seeing i love to see the way people are training i'd love to give them feedback and i'd love to see people just trying to kick the door off the hinges every day with hammer
1: yeah, and as much as we do love receiving PRs and uh, training videos and accomplishments within the weight room, mm-hmm. even more so receiving the feedback yeah. out from the field and those opportunities to be lethal or getting attacked by your uh, cows, if you remember that dude yeah. that hit us up. <laughs> yeah. His because survival he, of
0: his <laughs> cows were lethal. Yeah, they tried to kill him and he was he survived because he was uh, proved himself worthy. Yeah. So. Um, but, uh, if you guys are interested in hammer interested in checking it out, we got a seven day free trial, real easy to find power athlete HQ slash training, scroll down, click on hammer, take you to train heroic. you got a, uh, you know, seven day free trial as of right now, uh, that might go away in the future. So take advantage of it. Click on the free trial, jump into hammer, be smart. If you have any questions you can ask in the feed, um, there's a team feed associated with it. If you, you know, you can hit us on Instagram at powerathlete at John, while well, we're not we'll always answer questions. And if you need anything, just ask.
1: Yeah. And we're all on the same team here. So don't hoard this program to yourself. If you see an idiot in the weight room, share something with him. To put I him wish in a there position. was like a,
0: like business cards. We could just like slip across with like the URL. And, um, but you know what? Um, the program has been, uh, extremely like fun and exciting for me to, to create just from the mere fact that I had to secret squirrel so many programs to figure out a, Like, how to work a run template into it, and then how to create this interesting marriage of like capacity, aerobic capacity, sprinting, and while getting people strong. And surprisingly, man, people are getting really strong. Some of the PR numbers we hit in the testing were astronomical. And then people would be able to go out and, you know, run people into the ground and do what we do, which we've been doing for millions of years based upon those feet that I saw as uh, fossils in in the lake bed in Australia. Yeah, you're a big foot guy. Well, I'm fascinated by evolution and i don't like um so we've been going down to the Houston museum like i said of natural science and they have all of these bitching exhibits with uh you know fo- like like with bones so you get to see what the dinosaurs look like they have a ton of real life fossils all over the walls and i think it's just fascinating to see uh the connections that they've created like they have a whole wall which is you know uh you know hom- you know human evolution you know different ancestors and this and they have some really bitching stuff i think it's just fascinating and um I don't buy a lot of it. I, I I think it's really fascinating. Like when they start making these leaps, um, I don't know if I buy it, but I really appreciate that there's people out there that are one, searching for this and that are willing to put themselves on the line and go with it. And um, I think it's just fascinating that um, I think what it does is it gives me perspective on our lives to know that like we're just one little like chain like link in like this chain of humanity, you know, that there was other, you know, like, uh, think about like, uh, you know, Homo sapiens and thinking about Neanderthals and all the different, like, you know, hominid, you know, cousins, relatives that were somehow related to us. And then all of a sudden they all disappear. And, you know, I mean like Homo erectus goes away and now we're just in, you know, this one. So it's really fascinating to think that we're just a small chink, like a small piece in this huge
1: evolution. On the galactic calendar. Uh, we are a flap of the butterfly. Butterfly's wings.
0: Well, I told you I woke up last night and I had this really interesting thought. How long would it take me to count to a trillion? And so I looked it up. If you were to count by like one Mississippi, how long do you think it would take you to get count to a trillion? Well, I know the answer
1: to this because you
0: told me this morning 31,000 years. Yeah. Right. And then I looked up what was the U.S. deficit is 30 trillion. So, I mean, that's such a, like, like we can't even fathom that number because, you know, like I remember seeing like a million dollars will go up like three feet stacked in hundreds. And then like the, you know, billion dollars goes up to like the empire state building. I mean, think about counting by ones. It would take you 31,000 years to count to a trillion. And we somehow clicked away 30 trillion in a deficit, which technically means that the number is so like, we can't even wrap our heads around that number. It's so like just monumental. That like, what's another fifty billion? Well sitting here. Everybody just I mean, like at this point, just they should just start writing checks, which is I think what they're probably gonna do. You saw they are gonna do that in California, didn't you?
1: No. Gavin Newsom is gonna start sending people money. Oh, I just watched bank robbery movie called Ambulance set in LA, Michael Mann. Hmm. It's pretty entertaining. I like anything Michael Mann that's set in LA. Yeah, I know. That's that's kind of what I was but I was then when I was watching, I was referencing how much money they were going after versus heat. Also Michael Mann, L.A. And then the difference. What was the difference? Uh, well, let's see. So it's six bags, six million each. So what's our math there? Six million. Times six? 36 million. So 36 mil in ambulance. Um, but then in heat, each bag was worth 13,137. So like 115,000 today. So like heat's money. Compared to ambulance money. You mean those dudes did that for a hundred grand? Essentially.
0: Oh my God. That seems like a terrible risk versus reward. Those dudes just kind of started in only fans and Val just, and uh, you know, could have just put dong shots out there and probably made like millions every month.
1: Oh, I know what I do need to do more research on is the, uh, I guess the escalation of how much these bank robberies are going after. Mm. Well, they don't have to rob banks anymore. They have only fans.
0: I wonder how many NFL players are just saying, fuck it, I'm not going to do NFL anymore. I'm just going to do OnlyFans. And they just hang out and just do dong pics all day or fuck up with
1: chicks. Well, that's right. basically the NIL deal.
0: <laughs> NIL
1: uh, fans. I love it. Uh, I, I, you know what?
0: There sounds like, like I used to joke, like the worst thing you can do is give a 23-year-old millions of dollars in fame. Now I'm going to rescind that and be like the dumbest thing you can do is give an 18-year-old millions of dollars in fame. Because that's not going to end well. But you know what? I'm stoked for them. I'm happy. Uh, I'm sad that I wasn't born in 96 because I would have got the opportunity to mess with this a little bit more. But hopefully my kids will get a chance to be rock stars. Okay. All right, Tex. We've talked all things Hammer. So anything else?
1: Yes. We appreciate any reviews that you want to leave for Mm. the podcast. So five stars. Leave us a written review. If it's good enough, we're going to read it on air. And don't be afraid to thank us for quality training in our podcast re- reviews as well.
0: Yeah. If you can actually work the term rock stars in
1: there. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know,
0: we'll take five that Five star it. rock stars. Yeah. Five, five star rock stars. So if you can work it in, we're here. Smash this five star review. Leave us a good one. We'll read it on air. So you heard it here first. Thanks for tuning in to everything Power Athlete, everything Hammer, Holistic Athlete Movement Readiness Program. You heard it here first. See you.
1: Now it's time for you to empower your performance.